We interrupt your special announcement to bring you this regularly scheduled programming. Visual shock, speed shock, sound shock. Now it's time to the 68,000 heart on fire. Hey, it's Coolio, if you don't know, and it's time for another episode of Square Wave Symphony here on CKDU 88.1 FM in sweltering downtown Halifax. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, it is boiling out there, and it is, well, not fantastic in here, but it's still better than outside, I'll tell you that much right now. Uh, so, yeah, it's gonna be a hot one, but, uh, let's... Give it some chill and uh, cool down with a little bit of video game chiptune and all things weird and geeky here on Square Wave Symphony. And we're going to start as we usually do by taking a look at what's new over at Low Bias Gaming. For the 14th time, Jason attempts Final Fantasy VII. Hopefully this time he'll actually get to the end of it. There are two new episodes available on LowBiasGaming.net right now. Scarlet brings us uh, three new episodes of Final Fantasy XII The Zodiac Age, uh, as well as three new episodes of uh, Duke Nukem 3D Duke It Out in DC, uh, three new episodes of Hollow Knight, and three new episodes of Wild Arms Second Ignition. Always busy as always is our wonderful friend Scarlet. He, he's a bit of a dingus, but he's our dingus, and we wouldn't trade him for anything. Uh, so yeah, that is what's going on over at Low Bias Gaming right now. We also have a, a new uh, soundtrack, uh, Flashback, the quest for something or other. Um, also known as um, Out of This World, I think, if that's the game I'm thinking about. Uh, anyway, the quest for identity is the name of the thing. Alright, so um, let's get to some music and some archives and all the good stuff that we usually do on the show. Let's get that started here on Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax.
You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. That song was by At In Factory and is the title theme of today's game from the archives. Patchouli is sick of Marissa stealing books from the library, so she has decided it's time to get even. She has stolen Marissa's broom and her prize mini Hikaro, the magic reactor she uses to power Master Spark. Marissa is very much peeved and heads to the Scarlet Devil Mansion to steal back her stuff. This is Maristus. It is a platforming game for the PC developed and published by At and Factory and released in 2009. Uh, and it is basically a uh, take on the game Solstice for the Nintendo, uh, except without the amazing title theme for that game. But um, it is, um, it really takes a lot after uh, Solstice, except with some uh, Toho themes and some things that just weren't possible on the Nintendo. I think it's worth a bit, uh, yeah, I think it's worth a watch. If you're looking for a more chill Let's Play, Ragnats has played it for us as the low bias monthly for February 2016 Toho Fan Games. Eight episodes are available on lowbiasgaming.net. Check it out.
That was 23rd Century Life by Fear of Dark, and you're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. And welcome back to Square Wave Symphony here on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax, your home for video games, chiptunes, and all things weird and geeky. And it is time, as always, in this part of the show for the news of the weird. As mentioned previously, I am looking for something different so that I'm not doing the same thing as Jason is on Electric Leftovers. If you have any suggestions on uh, weird news uh, digests in the format of News of the Weird, uh, please let me know. I'm on Twitter at SquareSim, S-Y-M. Let's get started. Today's lead story, Suspicions Confirmed. Oh, and by the way, I do not read these stories ahead of time, and some of these might not jive well with all audiences. This segment's about 12 to 14 minutes long. Take that as you will. Suspicions Confirmed, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, yes, among the gazillion other products and services available from Amazon is the Behemoth's facial recognition software, Recognition with a K, marketed as providing extremely accurate facial analysis. But when the American Civil Liberties Union gave it a go, the results were startling. Using recognition, the ACLU scanned photos of every current member of the U.S. House and Senate and came up with 28 matches to a mugshot database of people who had been arrested for crimes. The ACLU announced its findings July 26th and admitted it using Amazon's default settings, uh, to which Amazon responded, while 80% confidence is an acceptable threshold for photos of hot dogs, chairs, animals, or other social media use cases, Amazon would advise customers to set the threshold at 95% or higher for law enforcement. The ACLU told NPR that the legislators who were falsely mashed were men, women, Republicans, and Democrats of all ages. However, the software did misidentify people of color at a higher rate. Hmm. I feel like there's some sort of social commentary we could be making there, but let's not. Let's take the high road and talk about weird science. And I don't mean the movie, I mean our next story. You thought you were old? You're just a twinkle in a nematode's eye. Russian scientists have revived two ancient frozen roundworms, or nematodes, from samples collected in Siberian permafrost, the Siberian Times reported on July 26th. The worms, which were found in cores taken from 30 meters and 3.5 meters deep, are believed to be female and 41,700 and 32,000 years old, respectively. Hmm. After collecting the samples, scientists uh, slowly thawed out the worms, which eventually started eating and moving. Scientists from the Institute of Physiochemical and Biological Problems of Soil Science in Moscow believe that the nematodes have some adaptive mechanisms that may be of scientific importance. Hopefully it doesn't end up like one of those games where we're like resurrecting some creatures from a million years ago and all of a sudden all hell breaks loose. Just saying. Make sure you take precautions and precautions on top of those precautions because you don't know about these creatures. Our next story, Florida. Need we say more? No. 
Our next story is not... No. Let's talk about Florida, shall we? Because apparently that's the thing to do. During a July 23rd debate among mayoral candidates in Key West, Florida, Sloan Bashinsky, a perennial contender, took a minute to answer a call from God. Hello? What? God? Bashinsky said, speaking into his cell phone. According to Florida Keys News, it wasn't the first time he's heard from a higher power. I have said every time I ran, I ran because God told me to run, Bashinsky explained. I think anyone who wants this job is insane. Bashinsky has a law degree from Vanderbilt University and was once among the island's homeless. He joined six other candidates on the ticket. Sloan, this is God. Free Jones from the TV series Rock Bottom. (laughs) Maybe that's what's happening. Anyway. Sign of the times. Just after midnight on July 22nd, a couple in Palo Alto, California were awakened in their bedroom by a 17-year-old burglar with a garment obscuring his face. Instead of demanding money or jewelry, though, the intruder asked for their Wi-Fi password. According to the Sacramento Bee, the homeowner forced the teen out of the home and called police who tracked him down a block away and arrested him for felony residential burglary. Police later determined it wasn't the team's first attempt at connectivity. Less than an hour uh, earlier that night, a prowler had summoned a woman from her home to ask for access to her Wi-Fi network also. She told him to go away and he rode off on a bicycle, which she realized the next day he had stolen from her backyard. She called police who recovered the bike near where they had arrested the teen. This is a stick up. What's your Wi-Fi password? I wanted to download... This is not an appropriate conversation to be having this time slot. Bright ideas. Jeffrey Jacobs, 37, uh, thought he had a great thing going. Last year, when a tree fell on his White Plains, New York home, he told the owner of a tree service, and big hockey fan, that he was the owner of the NHL's Boston Bruins, reported the hour. Impressed, the tree service owner sent a crew in the midst of a storm, then billed the actual club owner, 78-year-old Jeremy Jacobs, $5,100 for the service. Hmm. Police in nearby Wilton, Connecticut, heard about the deception when they received a call in May from security officials at a company chaired by the Bruins' owner. The story sounded familiar. In November, Jacobs had been pulled over in Wilton, and he told officers he owned the Bruins in an effort to get out of the, of the ticket. On July 20th, Jacobs was pulled over for using his phone while driving in Poughkeepsie, New York, sent back to Wilton, and charged with criminal impersonation. I'm the owner of the Bruins. I want what's coming to me. Well, that's what's coming to you when you're pretending to be someone you're not. Also, under the um, the moniker of bright ideas, diamonds are so 20th century. In Japan, Warp Space is offering newlyweds the chance to make their union universal with wedding plaques launched into space. Hmm. According to United Press International, the startup company founded by faculty members from the University of Tsukaba, Tsukuba, sorry, will print a titanium plate with the names of the, beth- the betrothed and put it, along with a few hundred other plaques, in one of a series of small cubes to, re- to be released into space from the International Space Station. 
astronauts will memorialize the launching by taking photographs, which will then be sent to the newlyweds. The service costs $270. I'm sorry, but I don't think I have $270 to spend on sending a piece of titanium to space. People. I mean, yes, because Japan, but what the heck, Japan? Seriously. Our next story... Awesome. Painesville, Ohio Municipal Court Judge Michael Cicinetti, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, uh, has a reputation for serving up unusual sentences, and he delivered again on July 24th when 18-year-old Bailey Toth appeared in his courtroom. Toth was convicted of two misdemeanor criminal mischief charges for toppling a portable toilet at Painesville Township Park in June, among other things. Uh, Chichinetti sentenced it to 120 days in jail, but suspended it in view of Toth shoveling manure at the Lake County Fair. You act like an animal, you gotta take care of animals, Chichinetti told Toth. The News Herald reported Toth will also, will also have to perform 40 hours of community service and pay restitution for damage to the park. Well... Who? Hmm. Let's move on to the next story. Just say no to tipping over porta potties. But um, let's say no to something else as well. Brody Tyler Young, 25, was arrested in a Nashville, Tennessee McDonald's on July 23rd after spending, quote, all day locked in the woman's restroom, dancing naked, doing jumping jacks, and hitting the wall. According to WFFA-TV, when officers managed to enter the restroom, they found Young locked in a stall smelling of, quote, chemical fumes as if he had been huffing. Young was taken into custody and charged with public intoxication and public indecency. Takes all kinds, I suppose. Sometimes you just gotta leave those kinds where they are. Our next story, Ew. a weird in-air experience for passengers traveling the Canary Islands in Spain to the Netherlands on May 29th ended tragically. The Transavia flight was forced to land in Faro, Portugal after pa passengers began fainting and vomiting in reaction to the overpowering smell of another passenger, 58-year-old Russian rocker Andrei Sukulin, uh, I think. Sukulin? Yeah. It was like he hadn't washed himself for several weeks, Belgian passenger Pete Van Hot said. CBS News reported that Suchelin had sought medical attention in Spain and was given antibiotics for a, quote, ordinary beach infection. Taken to a hospital in Portugal, his, condi his, his condition deteriorated and he was di diagnosed with tissue necrosis. Doctors induced a coma and performed several surgeries, but his wife reported on his Facebook page that he died on June 25th. The airline assured fellow passengers that, quote, there has been no risk of infection. And our last story for today, Lucky. Lucky. 
Kyle McAleer, 20, a Chicago uh, Chicago Cubs fan from Iowa, adopted a goofy rally cap idea from former Cubs player Starlin Castro a few years ago. A plastic bucket. But no one's laughing now, as McAleer and his family uh, washed a game from seats under Wrigley Field's manual scoreboard, scoreboard on July 24th. A 6-8-inch uh, metal pin fell out of the board and onto McAleer's head, where he had only moments earlier secured the bucket. Although he suffered a cut requ uh, requiring five staples, McAleer is crediting the bucket for saving his life. It might have fractured my skull. It definitely could have been fatal. I am extremely lucky, he told the Associated Press. Cubs spokesman Julian Green said the incident has been ruled an accident, not a structural issue, and the team has sent McAleer some swag, including a jersey. I would say lifetime tickets, but that, you know, that's just me. Well, I guess that's what... Um, that's what you're able to pull off if you become a bucket mancer. That makes no sense to anyone, I'm sure of it. Anyway, that is it for the news of the weird. Let's take a look at the weather, starting with a heat warning effect for, for uh, Halifax Metro and Halifax County West. Temperatures reaching 29 degrees Celsius are expected. A warm and humid air mass will remain over the region into the nail day weekend. High temperatures and humidity occur today and are expected again on Saturday, with daytime temperatures re reaching near 29 degrees and accompanying humid X values near 37. These warm and humid conditions are expected to persist throughout the weekend, however some uncertainty remains regarding the maximum daytime temperatures for Sunday. Conditions will warm up again into early next week, especially for Monday and Tuesday. This may require new warnings to be issued this weekend. The risks are greater for young children, pregnant women, older adults, people with chronic illnesses, and people working or exercising outdoors. Heat stroke is a medical emergency. If you feel dizzy or disoriented, seek medical attention. Call 911 or your emergency your local emergency number. If someone has a high temperature and is unconscious or confused or has stopped sweating, uh, cool the person right away. And call your emergency line. Heat warnings are issued when very high, uh, very high temperature or humidity conditions are expected to pose an elevated risk of heat illnesses such as heat stroke or heat exhaustion. So yeah, make sure that uh, you watch out for that heat and humidex all throughout this weekend. It is going to be sweltering all weekend. Oh man. Well, it might go down a little bit tomorrow and I'll get into that in just a little bit here, but just take this heat warning for what it is. So currently we're looking at a temperature of 30 degrees Celsius with a humidex of 37. As I was saying, sweltering outside. It is partly cloudy at the moment. Uh, tonight we're looking at a low of 20 degrees and a 30% chance of showers. That becomes a 60% chance of showers tomorrow and chance of sh uh, thunder showers with a high of 30 degrees before humidex. Um, looking at a low of 19 tomorrow night, uh, Saturday, August 4th, and a 30% chance of showers. Sunday, August 5th, a high of 27 and a 6% chance of showers, going down to a low of 19 degrees at night and a 30% chance of showers. 
Monday, August 6th on Natal Day. We're looking at a mix of sun and cloud and a high of 27, going down to a low of 20 degrees and cloudy periods at night. Tuesday, August 7th, a mix of sun and cloud and a high of 27, going down to a low of 18 degrees and cloudy periods at night. Uh, Wednesday, August 8th, cloudy throughout the day with a high of 24 and a low of 18 degrees. And Thursday, August 9th, a high of 24 degrees and a 30% chance of showers. You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. And uh, let's get a little bit of music going, shall we?
That was Delta Centauri with Iwazaru, and you are listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. And welcome back to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax, your home for video games, chiptunes, and all things weird and geeky. And today, I want to talk about a game. Well, not so much a game, more like five. Well, not so much the games themselves, but rather their soundtracks. Many games have so much writing on their soundtracks, whether they're being used to give depth to the graphics you look at and the story you follow, or whether they're being used to give meaning to a scene and turn the exact same setting from a relaxed one to one with high tension and apprehension, music is often an understated part of creating that atmosphere. Now, I've put together a list of five soundtracks that I especially enjoy. Now, I'm bad at favorites, so this isn't necessarily a top 5 list by any means, but I am capping this segment with the one soundtrack that I could listen to on repeat for centuries and never get tired of it. Now, before I get started on the list proper, I do want to give an honorable mention to uh, The Adventures of Link and Zelda Panoply of Kalatea. This is a half top-down, half side-scrolling adventure game made using the Zelda Classic engine by Mitsukara and released in late 2016. I recently played through this game as a Let's Play, the last episode of which, as you recall, was put out last week. The reason why I'm not adding this to the list officially is due to the fact that the music comes from all over the place as far as NES and Game Boy games go, rather than belonging to the game itself. Some from the original Zelda games, a couple of Mario tunes, a few Capcom classics, and even reaching outside of the Nintendo spectrum and grabbing a tune from Maze of Gallius. I've said it before, this game is basically a love letter to the classic gaming days of old, and it looks, feels, and most importantly to this review, sounds like it. Now, let's get started on the actual list. There's three things I'll always miss, though. One, not having to wash my step all the time. Two, yeah, forget about two. And three, I miss the songs. Yeah, I know I'm butchering that layoff. The first game I'm putting on my list here is Bastion. This is an isometric view adventure game developed by Supergiant Games and published by Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment and originally released July 20th, 2011. This game follows the adventures of a person known only as The Kid in his journey to rebuild the broken world of Kelandia, which was destroyed after an event called the Calamity. The central hub from which the kid sets off in his travel is called The Last Bastion of Hope, thus the name of the game. The soundtrack is largely in the style of old western music with a few electronic twists, which complements well with, the, with both the narrator and his deep western drawl. And the entire environment of the game. The message is clear, this is the frontier land, everything has either faded away or is in the process of doing so, and it's up to the kid to blaze trails through untamed lands full of dangers and bring new life to the bastion before it's too late. This music really conveys how how much weight is on the kid's shoulders with its heavy bass lines, dark instrumentation, and in some cases dreary lyrics, while still allowing for a brief glimmer of hope, a thought that maybe everything will be okay soon until it drops into full business music throwing a sense of urgency at you where if, if everything is going to be okay, we need to get the Fergus out of here right now. This is Darren Korb's first, uh, sorry. 
This is Darren Korb's first work as a video game soundtrack composer. Prior to working on Bastion, most of his work had been in minor television and film releases. In an interview with Mauricio Ruiz of Audio and Music Blog, that's site name, right? Korb cited that his inspiration for the music for Bastion was from a wide variety of sources, including some old southern spiritual music as well as Led Zeppelin's more acoustic releases. Drawing from these and more, the output would be largely based on his uh, vision of how a given song would fit in the game. I answer a few basic questions for myself about the game. Uh, about the piece before I get started, he stated. How do I want the piece to feel? What emotion should it convey? How would it be used in the game? From there, he come up with a base for the song and build upon it. All in all, this is definitely an example of how the music adds depth and mood to the game, and the soundtrack is definitely one to wish to have a listen, and I'm glad to know that Corb is still writing music for Supergiant. I'll admit that listening to Spike and Rail while walking down the sidewalk probably affects me to the point of giving me serious business face and then making me feel ready to jump into action. Not that any such action typically happens in Halifax, but if it comes down to having a music arsenal ready, I'm going to keep this one in the cartridge, just in case. Our next game is FTL, Faster Than Light. This is a real-time strategy game with partial roguelike elements developed and published by indie uh, studio Subset Games and originally released on September 14, 2012 with a content patch titled Advanced Edition, released about a year and a half later. In this game, you're in control of a small spacecraft which is part of the Galactic Federation, holding on to a piece of crucial information to help their headquarters mount a defense against the encroaching rebel forces which have all but destroyed the Federation and seek to unroot it. Kind of weird how usually the story is the opposite. You're in a struggling rebel alliance looking to take down tyrannical imperial forces. Either way, as long as I get my space pew pew on, I'm happy. The interesting thing about this game's soundtrack is that it technically has two soundtracks. There's one which features more solemn, serene, and sometimes a melodic ambient tunes, which are played during any sort of peacetime and exploration, and another which kicks in when an enemy ship engages yours, which is sometimes the same tune with a couple of extra instruments to give it some edge and sometimes radically different from its peaceful counterpart. The music shifts seamlessly from one to the other, depending on your situation, offering a bit of a morale boost whenever it's time to throw down and deploy your weapons. Just as Bastion for Darren Korb, FTL was the first video game project on which Ben Prunty worked, though he had been creating music for over 10 years prior. He largely claims to have had little to no musical inclination prior, and to have gotten a spot uh, as the game's composer out of sheer luck, which may partly be true. However, after having played a prototype of the game and perusing through the complete idiot's guide to music theory, as per his interview with Tyler Wilde of PC Gamer in 2013, he was able to come up with some mesmerizing tracks which got him the part. Since then, he kept on composing, having provided soundtracks for such games as Gravity Ghost, Frank and John, and more recently, Celeste. As for me, the Exploration soundtrack is one that I like to put on if I'm going for a walk after dark, especially if it's a clear, starlit night. These ambient tracks are the perfect thing to set the mood for a calm stroll under a ceiling of stars. 
Next on my list is DuckTales, a side-scrolling platformer game developed and published by Capcom and, rele and originally released in North America on September 14, 1989. In this game, you play as the iconic Disney character Scrooge McDuck, who has learned of five treasures across the world, which he decides that he needs to have for his collection because, well, money, I suppose. Kind of a flimsy pretext, but this is a classic era NES game, so we can forgive it for that and just have a proper listen to it. This is one of many examples of music which is probably burned into the memories of those who grew up playing Nintendo games. Who doesn't crack a smile whenever the moon theme plays? I mean, come on! He or Shiga Tunemura knew what he was doing when he made this soundtrack. Capcom was known for having memorable music in their games, and Tunemura definitely became part of the legacy with the soundtrack. So much so that he incited the imagination of a 10-year-old boy by the name of Jake Kaufman, who 24 years later would be called upon to take these original compositions and carry them over to the 21st century. In an interview between Thomas Jones from Pure Nintendo and Arthur Ivansmith of WayForward Games, the remastered game's director, it's revealed that Kaufman had rearranged the music shortly after having played through the game with a clear image of how the game should have sounded if not for the NES's limited sound chip. For example, Ivansmith said, Jake always knew the African Mines was a James Brown-style jam, but with something like Transylvania, uh, when what he previously wanted to do didn't stop him from adding a little dubstep flair more, mostly subtly to the mix. In any case, whether you're listening to the classic chiptunes or the reimagined symphonies, the DuckTales soundtrack is always a delight to listen to. Next up is Katamari Damacy, which is, well, let's call it a 3D puzzle platformer. Developed and published by Namco and released for the PlayStation 2 in North America on September 21st, 2004. The king of all cosmos has had a little too much to drink one night, and when he gets smashed, so does everything in outer space. Rather than own up to it and fix it himself, he indentures his son, the prince, into rebuilding the cosmos by going to Earth with a special gravity ball called a Katamari and rolling things up into it to make it grow. Once big enough, they're sent into space to destroy, to rebuild the destroyed planets and constellations, and eventually the moon, which for some reason requires a bigger Katamari than any of the stars or planets. But, well, video games, the video games. There's no denying the absolute diversity of music present in this game. Whether you're taking whether you're taking your first steps with the J-Rap song The Moon and the Prince or rolling around town with the more metropolitan Katamari Taino, whether you're building the moon with the titular and epic Katamari on the rock or bringing the world together with Kata, uh, with Katamari of Love, there's practically nowhere the soundtrack won't go to add its extra flavor to the game. Sound director Yu Miyake's goal with Katamari Damacy, according to an interview by Chris Greening of VGM Online, was to break out of the patterns he had noticed about video games in general throughout the 1990s of music that was largely okay, but not really anything to write home about. All this unmemorable music might be fine for its purpose, he said, but I wanted to have something like the iconic music of the past where just hearing it brought back memories of the game and made you want to play it again. 
as a result, he sought assistance from the entire Namco sound team to make a soundtrack for this unique game that would be, which would be equally unique and be remembered for a long time to come. And so there are about a million composers listed for this game. Really, this soundtrack evokes the exactly the sort of sentiment Miyake was looking for, at least in myself. I don't own a PS2, unfortunately, but I do have a PSP, and I think I'm overdue for a playthrough of me and my Katamari. Maybe I'll LP it someday? If I can get recording the PSP working again, anyhow. It's been kind of broken for some reason. Anyway. The last game on my list is definitely my most favorite video game soundtrack of all time, and that is the soundtrack for VVVVVV. This is an old-school-style alternative platformer game developed by Terry Kavanaugh and published by Nykalis. The game was originally released as a Flash game on January 11, 2010, then first ported as a proper C++ executable the next year. In this game, you lead Captain Viridian, whose ship accidentally crashed into an alternate, alternate dimension somehow, and whose crew was scattered throughout it. The captain must venture forth in this strange world, where conventional jumping apparently doesn't exist for some reason. Now, honestly, for this game, I can't exactly put a finger on what is the main thing that makes the soundtrack work so well. Objectively, it's not one that especially should stand out compared to other chiptune music. It really doesn't explore any sort of uncharted territory. In fact, passion for exploring used for the overworld areas is pure chiptune, whereas in-level music for uh, in-level music uses a few various digitized instruments, mostly uh, drum and bass lines. However, there's just something about the soundtrack that resonates with me to a deep level. I don't know, it may just be me, but this music has some heart to it, and is just as amazing to listen to. In fact, when I did a let's play of this game, I quipped about how it was my first time actually playing the game, and thus being in the presence of this music, rather than just listening to it. Part of the reasoning, however, could be bec uh, from the symbiotic nature of the game's development uh, with its music. According to an interview by Philip J. Reed of Noiseless Chatter, after Kavanaugh discovering the music of Magnus Paulson, aka Soli, through a game called uh, Space Phallus, Kavanaugh offered Soli a, pro a prototype of his game development, and Soli replied with a tune for its singular level. This inspired Kavanaugh to build a new level, which Soli scored, and this exchange went on for a few days until suddenly they had a full game built up. Uh, and after a month of tweaking and perfecting, the game was out the door, and this little game that started life as something intended as a free indie title eventually became wildly popular to the point of, oh, Fergus, what is this part in this interview about a live-action WVVVVV uh, movie? I hope this is a joke. This looks like a joke. It's a joke, right? Right? <sighs> anyway. I love this game soundtrack so much that I've used it in other games where hacks are available to modify the game's music, such as replacing the music assets for Terraria and using it as an add-on to play the tunes in the middle of a raid in World of Warcraft. This has long been my favorite video game soundtrack ever, and I personally don't see that changing for a long time. 
So what about you guys? What is your favorite video game soundtrack? Tweet at uh, SquareSim and let me know. It's always good to share these things and be able to discover this great music that is available throughout these many platforms, these many games. There are so many other um, soundtracks that I haven't been able to cover because I just don't have the time. This is only an hour show. But um, yeah, let me know uh, at Square Sim. Let me know what is your favorite music soundtrack? What do you love to listen to the most? Anyway, you're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. Let's get some of that wonderful V music going, shall we?
And that was Potential for Anything by Soleye, and you're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. That last song was Strawberry Skies by Missed Something. It sounds like a Kirby song, but it actually isn't. Uh, it is some, is just a song by someone who much appreciates the Kirby style of music, just as I do. That's something else that I could have mentioned, but um, in my in my review. But it's not something that I couldn't pick like one particularly outstanding song uh, game to pick. So words, anyway. It is time, unfortunately, to wind down this episode of Square Wave Symphony, but I will be back again next week, as always, with some more stuff, and I hope that you will enjoy it. Square Wave Symphony is based on the format of the Electric Leftovers podcast by Jason Parton of Low Bias Gaming, lowbiasgaming.net. News of the Weird is written by the editors at Andrews McNeil Syndication, newsoftheweird.com. Segment music composed by Format, Manabu Namiki, Noriyuki Kamikura, Simon Weddington, Niflis, and Ensnare. Stay tuned for the Astrology Show coming up next on CKDU, followed by the Witching Hour Earth and Sky at 7pm and the Vinyl Factory at 830 
comments, questions, want your chiptunes featured on the show, email me at squaresim at lowbiasgaming.net or get in touch on Twitter at squaresim. You can also call the CKDU feedback line at 902-494-8041. This has been Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. I'm Coolio if you don't know, and I'll see you guys next time.